doing this series, um, I'm calling the next 20 this fall, and I'm doing sort of a preliminary series. And the, the idea behind this series was to catch everybody up, to get us all, as it were, as they say, on the same page. So some of you have been around for a long time, for 20 years of the ride of Orchard Grove. Uh, most of you have not been along, been along for that much of the ride, but we want to catch you up. So you remember as we started this, I talked about how when they went into the promised land, um, they, they stopped and they got everyone on the same page. I don't need to go through that, but they had a massive circumcision, right? And it was sort of like, we all, you guys were born in the desert. You guys didn't experience what we experienced coming out of Egypt. And so we want to get you all on the same page. Um, this is, this is really no different than you at Christmas time with your family telling the stories. You know, Grandpa, tell that one story again about how you and Grandma did this and that and how you went off to the war. And it's just getting everybody on the same page. And I think the reason that we do it is because we want our kids and our grandkids to appreciate where they've come from, right? And if you don't realize where you've come from, um, there's probably a little piece missing there. So as we do this series, I want to just try to tell a little bit of our story so that we can all be united as a family. I think it's so important that this family, that we're together, that we're united, that we understand how God's brought us and where God's taking us. Also, I hope and I strongly believe, as I talk about our collective story, Um, there are a lot of little nuggets, if I could say it that way, that you can take home for your own life. And so today, I'm just simply calling it Lessons Along the Way. And I want to read a scripture. It's from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 11. And uh, let me see, verse number, which one do we have up there? If the clouds are full of water, this is verse 3. They pour rain upon the earth. Whether a tree falls to the north or to the south, in the place it falls, there it will lie. Everyone say, no kidding. (laughs) And this is kind of like, this is just sort of like a verse that say, to me, to me, what this is talking about is um, sometimes we have this saying now, I will just modernize it, it is what it is. It fell here, this happened, this is where it's laying. Um, it, and there's a certain amount of peace um, to that. You, you can analyze, well, why did it fall to the north and should it have fallen to the west? And, but at the end of the day, things happen. Is this true in your life? Just things happen. It just happened. It just fell that way. Uh, and so here's where it fell. Um, and in, in the scripture, it talks about, your, your lot, your sort of your allotment has fallen in a certain place. And so what we understand is sometimes in life things happen and we could think of them as random. We could think of them as God's hand. But at the end of the day, this is how it is. These are the cards that you've been dealt. And how many have learned this along the way in your life? You got to play the cards you are what? You got to play those cards. Now, let's just go for a minute. Who's played a little card hand envy over the years? Spent an afternoon or a month thinking about playing someone else's hand. 
Come on. Sure you have. Like, boy, if I, if I, this is what I could do if I had this. If they would have been dealt this way, this is how amazing I would be. And the reason I'm not so amazing is because I got dealt this hand. Acceptance. Here's where, the, here's where it fell. It fell here. And the sooner you get to that, boy, the sooner you can move on with the rest of your life, right? So it's a worn-out saying by now. I get it, but it is what it is. Ready? One, two, three. It is what it is. That's it. It's there. It fell here. There it lies. This is what happened. This is where I am. You were born in a certain place. You grew up in a certain place. You had a certain family. A lot of things in life you just didn't have much say over. If you think about it, it's interesting. You didn't have much to do with it. But then there comes an area of responsibility. Watch this. Verse 4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever watches the clouds will not reap. This is sort of an analogy for the farmers. And it says, if you're always looking at the wind, think it's too windy. If I sow the seed, you know, if I plant the seed, the wind's just going to blow it away. I don't know, it's, it's not quite right today. I better wait. It says, if you always do that, you're, you're never going to actually sow the seed. You're never going to put it in the ground. And if you're always watching the clouds, it's harvest time. Oh, I don't know. I, boy, it's going to rain. I, I'm not sure. If, you're never going to do it. Paraphrase. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Modern paraphrase. Analysis paralysis. Anybody ever been bitten with this one? I got bit hard at Home Depot the other day. How many know they should have two lights to choose from? Two. Just give me two. You want light A or light B? Does anybody... I, I, wanted, I, I went through Home Depot the other day. I just wanted to fall in the fetal position and cry. They had so many options. Now, some of you like that. I can't handle that many options. I can't handle it, right? Somebody pick something that looks nice for me. Analysis paralysis. Well, this one gives out this many watts, and this one only burns this much energy, and this one's this color, but it's going to turn this color in three years. And on and on and on they go. And after a while... so. What happens with us in life is you're waiting for the perfect thing. Anybody? I gotta wait for the perfect time. I gotta wait for the perfect circumstance. I gotta wait for the perfect situation before I can jump in and do it. So here is the first lesson, Orchard Grove, along the way. Sometimes you just gotta jump. Sometimes you just gotta jump. You don't know what's going to be underneath you. It's like Peter getting out of the boat. Now, I've never seen this before. But sometimes you just got to what? You got to take the step. You got to take the risk. You don't know how it's going to work out. You can't always know how things are going to work out. May I would say it this way. Life is full of surprises anyway. Have you noticed this? Sometimes things go way worse than you planned. I mean, I was planning on this. I was thinking about this. And boy, did it go south. And would it also be true? 
sometimes things go way better than you planned. I never thought this would have led to this, and this would have opened up this door, and this opportunity would have come my way. So in other words, we don't always know. That's why the Scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. Because you can't see, you can't know every single thing along the, the way. Now, should we plan? Should we prepare? Should we? Yes, yes, yes. All of that's good. But you can't get tied to, married to, worship your plans. Because what happens is you make a plan and then it doesn't work out. And really what life is about is learning to adjust along the way. Faith is operating that I don't know how this is going to work out. It's not wrong to plan. But you have to realize that things don't always go according to plan. Let me pick, it up, pick up the Orchard Grove story. Now, it's been two weeks. I took a week off for Mother's Day. I told more in this service, I think, than I did in the 11. I messed it all up. So if I have a repeat, just give me some grace. I was going to quote this scripture to start the service. Um, I once was young, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. But I didn't want to say that I was old. I just have gray hair, right? I didn't want to confess that, right? But I will say I'm older than I used to be, right? It's been 20 years, so I'm not young. We uh, moved to this movie theater on Orchard Lake Road, and um, we were paying... We were paying $2,500 a month in rent. It was about what we had to pay to rent a, a school. Um, we had to move everything in every week, tear everything down every week. We could have no presence. We could have no sign. We could have no visibility in the community. Um, and we literally were in there for an hour on Sunday, and we were gone. And we really, we really made almost no impact in that community because people didn't even know we were there. And then we moved into this theater, and the minute we moved into this theater, we were able to move everything in for the same amount of money, right? We moved in. We're on Orchard Lake Road. I think I told you guys this. Orchard Lake Road in 12 Mile. Now, I went around, and I started realizing we were here on Grace and we, I didn't know how long we were going to be there. But I went around. I started shopping up what real rent would be. Just think for a minute. This young church, just no money. No, I mean, just, just trying to get going. And I thought, you know, we're, this isn't going to last. We're month to month in this movie theater. So I went around and started, what, what would this building cost if we were to get kicked out and need to move here? And what would it cost if we were to get to you know, need to move. And I started looking up and down Orchard Lake Road, and it was twelve to $20,000 for us to get something that wasn't finished like a theater. You know, theater, you could add seats and it had a stage. We could just, that was just a box. So the first thing I started doing was counting my blessings. God, thank you for every, every month right? Now, when your church is young and you pay $2,500 a month, that's still a lot of money, right? But it's a lot less than twelve dollars to $15,000 a month. In other words, Orchard Lake Road, turns out, was what? Pricey real estate, right? But as the church grew, we started doing something. And I shared with the church the story about Pharaoh's dream. You remember Pharaoh's dream? that he brings. 
Uh, no one can interpret, so they get Joseph to interpret it. And it has these seven fat cows, right? And then there's these seven really skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows come and eat the seven fat cows. You guys should read the Bible more. Good, I mean, this is good stuff, right? And, and Pharaoh is troubled by this dream, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And Joseph interprets the dream for him. And he says to him, you're going to have seven years of bounty, of extra, of grace, of goodness. You're, for seven years, your paycheck's going to be so big, you're not going to know what to do with it. So go out and spend like mad. No, don't do that. While you have the seven years of extra, and, and by the way, if this was three, 4,000 years ago, what's still true today? The economy runs in what? Cycles. Uh, did anybody learn this in 2007 and 2008? Huh? It was, oh, everybody was fat and high on the hog. And, oh, this is good. Let's get a bigger house. No, bigger car. No, bigger. Get six houses. And then what? Boom. The hammer drops. So... The instruction for Pharaoh from Pharaoh goes, wow, you're going to have seven years of extra and then seven years of struggle. By the way, isn't this just a general good lesson in life? Huh? Isn't this life? Like, it, it just goes that way. Financially, right? Relationally, it just has these cycles to it. And Pharaoh doesn't know what to do, and so Joseph makes a proposal. He says, I think I'd get a wise person. I'd get a wise person. And I would say, during those first seven years, sock it away, sock it away, sock it away. Store it away, store it away. Every bit of extra, you store, you save. Every bit, you save. Because the lean years are coming. The lean years are coming, and you're going to need it. And as it turns out, Pharaoh decides Joseph's advice is good. And he says, well, who can I pick? And, you know, Joseph's like, moi? Next thing you know, Joseph's in charge of the savings program, right? The Northern Egypt Savings and Loan. And the bounty comes. And he saves and he saves and he saves and he saves. And then it turns. It turns ugly. People get hungry, right? But Joseph makes Egypt and Pharaoh a winner because they prepared, they saved. All that story I told to the church because I said, guys, we're living on grace right now. Rent is not actually 2500 a month. We're living in a little bubble fantasy that God's given us. Rent is 10 grand. Rent is 12, and this is what we started doing. So we paid our rent, and then we paid, as the church grew, we paid 2,500 to the landlord, and then we paid 2,500 to ourselves. And then we paid 2,500 to the landlord, and then we paid 5,000 to ourselves. Then we paid 2,500 to the landlord, and we paid 75, and we got up to 25 to him and 10,000 to us. So now, two things were happening. A, A, 
we were building in the discipline of the payment, we were getting ready to get kicked out. By the way, I, I should say, I mean, some, I, I joke that we had zero plan. I mean, I'm not an absolute moron. You know what I mean? We put a few things together. I was just sort of joking with you about uh, maybe it wasn't as scientific as some people would take it. But, uh, but the other thing that we were doing is we were building a what? We were building a little stash so that we could get ready. Say, Chris, why are you telling this story? Because I think this story shows a very important thing for all of us. And I call it the balance between responsibility and faith. You know, I meet some people, and all they want to talk about is faith. In other words, all they want to talk about is God's responsibility. You know, well, God can do seven more fat years. Why should I have to save? If God gave us seven, he can get... Well, he can, but guess what? He doesn't always. Sometimes what God says is, you've gotten these seven bountiful years so that I can teach you to be, what's the word? Responsible. To take care of business. I've given you the blessing. Now, did God provide through all? Yeah. But what the lesson was, you have to, you have to learn to discern. There's a good word. Learn to what? Discern. It's not always going to be this good. How funny that seven years later, right, from 2000 to 2007, that seven years later, the economy crashed, literally. Some of you uh, still got financial scars from it. Because we just couldn't talk ourselves into saving, recognizing. And there's a balance Sometimes people, all they think of is, I just, well, God should provide God. And I have no responsibility to save or to put something aside. Here's a story that says, you know what? God provides through it all, but you have a huge responsibility. As the clock kept ticking, I was telling you, we ended up here um, through a friend of a friend didn't even, I, I had never been here, I'd ever been this far. Uh, I'd been to the south side of Wall Lake where the mall is. That's it, you know? And so I didn't even know how to get here. I had to give, I had to hand maps out to people who lived in Farmington Hills and didn't know where exactly we were going. And we moved up here, and then the church kept growing. And we were renting this space. I think I was telling you it was a little corner of this worship center over here. It ended where the fire extinguisher is along that wall right behind Dale. That was the back, and that was the back over there. So it was a little tight-knit space, and we kept growing. And so we knocked out a wall. We rented some more space. We rented some more space. So our rent was $10,000 a month when we moved in here. And then it moved to 12000 and then um, my office used to be over there. That was a kid's world. The nursery was back there. Kept pushing it out, pushing it out. Then it was $15,000 a month. Now it was $20,000 a month. And you could feel the stress, you know, as the rent went up. And I, there was a year 
where Orchard Grove doubled in size, almost, not quite, but almost doubled in size, and the giving went up, ready, 7%. Because Knucklehead was going, church is free, church is free. Everybody's like, I love it. But in other words, what, what was happening? People were coming in, and the first thing you do when you walk into a new places you don't turn your wallet upside down right you're new a lot of people didn't go to church they have no no practice of giving regularly so when you have twice as many mouths to feed and 10 percent more income it gets what stressful so there again a huge point of stress and guess what we talked to the owner of the buildings he wants to sell them he sells us this building and in the deal, this is review for some of you, but some, I'm trying to, again, get everyone on the same page. In the deal, he gives us the building next door. The building next door has a tenant in there who pays $9,500 a month, like clockwork. So our, our mortgage was $20,000 a month, or the, the rent was $20,000. The mortgage was $19 something. So immediately, we're $1,000 to the good. And he throws in this building that gives us $9,500 a month. It was a $10,000 a month windfall for Orchard Grove, who was at the stress point, right? $10,000 a month. We went from renting to owning. We could make it and do what we wanted to do with it. And all of a sudden, we saw what? God's hand again. Have you ever felt this in your own life? You get right to the breaking point and you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if it's going to come together. And boom, another miraculous door opens. The tenant stayed there for probably, I have to get my exact numbers, but probably 10 years. Can you imagine that? Someone to pay half of your mortgage every single month for you. And so it was not knowing how things would turn out. Not if you say, man, Chris, how, how in the world could you predict this story? I go, you can't. You, you, you just have to jump in. You, there are things in life you just have to jump in. You just have to start. You have to, you have to pray. You have to ask God. You have to trust. And then you have to do whatever you can to be as responsible as you can in every situation. It's a balance. Some people that are all responsibility have no sense of trust, no sense of faith, no sense of jumping in. Are you with me? It's the balance between the two. I did this wedding last night. This is a great couple. And uh, they, they, they were, she is the planner. She is the organizer. He is the cannonball maker. Do you, you know what I mean? He's the guy that when Jesus says, come on the water, he just jumps off and does a cannonball, right? I love it. Let's try it. Let's see what happens. And Everybody told so many great stories about them coming together. And I think, you know, this is the balance that we need in our life. Some of you, you need to have a little more trust. To just say, you know, I can't just keep looking at the clouds. I can't just doing spreadsheets ad nauseum. And some of you need to be introduced to what a spreadsheet is. Are, are you with me? And this is, the, this is what... This is what that whole story is about is, you know, there are times in your life 
where you just, you're never going to figure it out. And you just got to let go. And you just got to trust. And you got to just jump. And then there are times where you got to sit down, get a piece of paper out, sharpen your pencil, go to work, do what's responsible. The Bible says, right, that God closes doors. If you were to read the way God led the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 6, it says, the Spirit prevented me from going here. And then the Spirit prevented us from going here. And they were trying, Paul was trying to go a certain direction. And the door kept closing. It kept closing. It kept closing. And I don't know about you, but if you ever tried to do something, whether it was start a business, or maybe it was just try to initiate a relationship, or maybe you were trying to get a certain job, and it just wasn't working. And this can be so frustrating. And so here is the question that we ask ourselves. This is, I think, so important. Is this door shut because God's trying to tell me, go somewhere else? Or, here's the other question, is this door shut because I need to knock and knock and knock and knock and knock until it opens? Some of you say, immediately go, well, no, if God shuts the door, you go somewhere else. Sometimes that's right. And isn't it also true, Jesus said, knock and the door shall be open. You know that story Jesus told, the, the parable about the person that's just knocking relentlessly at midnight? Won't go away, won't go away, won't go away. How do you know? This is discernment. There are times you need to hear that voice, you need to hear the Spirit, and just saying, look, just that door's shut. It's just time to move on. Listen, this is... I know it would be good if I could put objective spreadsheets up here, but listen, that's got to come right here. It's just time to move on. It's just time to move on. You can analyze, you can do the data, you can do the spreadsheet, but you're going to get a thing right here. It's going to say, this, that door's shut. Stop going that way. Stop pursuing that direction. And then there's a time when the door is shut, but you have this thing. This is the thing. This is the differentiator the Holy Spirit, your gut, God inside of you, right? Saying, nope, keep knocking. That door's coming open. Hang in there, you hang in there, and you knock, and you knock, and you knock. Now, quick survey. Who in your life can, can testify here and you can say, you know what? I've been there. It was time to just leave the door shut. It was time to move on. And I knew it, and thank God for it, all right? True. Who also can say, Nope, it was time to knock and knock and knock, and I'm thank God I did because the door opened. Isn't this funny? How do you know? This is here. The discerning in your spirit, the discerning in your spirit, and this is one of the things that I've been trying to share with you through the series, and it's a, it's a core thing for me. Sometimes you've got to go with your gut. Sometimes you pray, you analyze, you talk to people, you do, and deep down, you have to trust the instinct of God leading you by his spirit. So this is what it says, Acts 16. 
we were prevented from going here, we were prevented from going here. And then it says, Paul goes, then we had a vision of a man from Macedonia. Paul has a vision. I don't know what the vision was like. I don't know, was he sleeping? I don't know, was he awake? I don't know, was it subconscious? I, I, don't, I don't know what the vision was like. But this says he had a vision. And in the vision, he hears a man from Macedonia, Greece, where we're going to travel this September. Come here. Come here. Come and help us. And I'll say this before we transition to the series conclusion and we go into the fall. You have to follow your vision. You have to follow the vision. And I hope if I do anything well for you or to grow family to unite us is that you understand the vision. The vision's clear, right? We're here. We built this church for people that gave up on church. We built it for them. We aren't trying to be your grandma's church. I could never be your grandma's church, right? We aren't trying to be your aunt's church. I could never be your aunt's church. I don't have any criticism for that. That hopefully it's still there. Hopefully you can still go. You can still visit. It's wonderful. It's, we, we wanted to do something that was different. It had a vision attached to it. This is this vision, this man from Macedonia said, could you, could you please come help us? So I've told this story over and over again, and I'll just give it to you quickly. My parents didn't take me to church. My dad never took me to church. My mom never took me to church. Well, I should say, my dad did with my grandma for a stint there, but I didn't live with my dad at the time. But there was a reason. And the reason that they didn't go to church was because they got a religious package that wasn't based in love, that wasn't centered there, and it was, they were just given this outside shell full of rules, full of condemnation, full of judgment, full of you're never good enough. It was such, listen to me very carefully, it was such a traumatic experience for my mom that she never went back. Now, some of you, you grew up in a wonderful church experience. Your grandma's church was wonderful. That's good. That's good. Good, 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 good. We need it. But some people did not. In fact, a lot of people did not. It was Christmas. I was down visiting my mom in Georgia. When she lived in Marietta, I said, Mom, hey, let's just go to church. My mom just didn't want to go. It was Christmas. And I, I just kind of wanted to go. And so I, I don't try to pressure her too much. I said, let's just go. You know, like, to me, I don't care. I put on some sweats. I don't care. I just want to go there, sit in quiet, reflect, be grateful. You know, that's just, there's a church two doors down from her house. Literally, her house, another house, and a church. I go, we'll just go right there. Listen to me. I remember it, it took her almost two hours to get ready. Makeup, this, that, that. Why? Because to her, it was a place. She, now I look back, stupid me. I put way too much pressure on her, right? It was a terrifying experience. She was doing it to appease me. Now I look back, I know. She was doing it to appease me. She wasn't doing it for her. But she was trying to think, if I can get through the judgment of one hour, through the pain 
of people looking down on me because I'm divorced or just judging me because of, I'm not good enough and I sin too much or whatever it is or I smoke or whatever. All the stuff that had been heaped on her from the time she was young. It literally terrified her. Like, dear God, that's horrible. What a horrible thing. And so Orchard Grove was built for that vision. To say, just come the way that you are. We love you. We love you just the way you are. We have faults. I have faults. You have faults. We all, we all screw up. But you're loved here. You're welcome here. We want you to have a home here. This is your home. You have to follow the vision. Let me just say this. It can be hard following your vision, too, when it gets criticized. People don't understand it. But just so that you know, if you're here in Orchard Grove's home, that's the vision. A place for people like my mom to call home. To feel a warm blanket of love and embrace. Not a critical eye of judgment and you're not good enough. We're all learning. We're all growing. You're accepted just the way that you are. You're loved just the way that you are. Do we all have some room to grow? Oh, of course. My goodness, yes. Yes. But you're loved. That's what Orchard Grove is. That's what Orchard Grove will always be. That's our vision.